Coming up on Locked On Dodgers, Andrew Friedman and Brandon Gomes had their annual end-of-season press conference on Tuesday. We're going to talk about some of their comments about Clayton Kershaw, Dave Roberts, and Cody Bellinger, among other things. We're going to talk about some of Rich Eisen's comments about Dave Roberts. And as promised, we're going to talk a little bit about the umpiring in the NLDS. So let's get Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers. Your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, Dodger fans. This is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening right now, and then you will never miss a day because you know we're not going to. If this is your first time watching or listening, my name is Jeff Snyder. My co-host is Vince Samperio, although it's just me tonight. Vince uh, went to game one of the NLCS down in San Diego to cover it for work, and so I'm handling this episode today uh, on my own which is fine. Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans, just like you are. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. And as I mentioned at the top, we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, First thing I want to jump into, uh, I am going to get to the umpires in the, in the last segment, Vince and I kind of teased that yesterday. I've got some thoughts on the umpiring in this series and, uh, I hope you know it's not a sour grapes thing. Uh, I am on record on this podcast and many other places uh, saying I would rather have good umpires, even if it goes against the Dodgers. Uh, And I'll talk more about that in the third segment. Second segment, I'm going to talk about uh, NFL Network uh, commentator Rich Eisen. Why is he talking about baseball? Good question. We'll talk about that. But first, I want to talk about the uh, press conference that Andrew Friedman and Brandon Gomes had. Andrew Friedman, of course, is the Dodgers president of baseball operations. Brandon Gomes is their general manager. Uh, which is kind of a, uh, it's a different title with the Dodgers than than with some teams. Uh, nobody's totally sure what Gomes does, but he's the general manager. And they had their annual end of the season press conference with the media. A lot of interesting stuff they talked about. Uh, Andrew Friedman says Dave Roberts will definitely be back, which isn't a surprise to anybody, uh, even the people who think Dave Roberts should be gone. I don't think are surprised that he's coming back, uh, as you probably guessed from Yesterday's episode and my, my episodes in general, if you've watched uh, much of this show, of course, Dave Roberts is going to be back. Uh, Dave Roberts isn't a perfect manager, but he's a very good manager. And I, I do hope that that they learn from some of the things that happened here. Uh, Friedman talked about how basically a lot of the same things I've said. And I know it's not going to make a lot of fans happy, especially to hear the president of baseball operations saying it. it's one thing for a, a dumb dude with a podcast to say it. Uh, But for the president of baseball operations to say, I think we'll rub some people probably the wrong way. But Friedman made the very true point that the best team hardly ever wins the World Series. It's the team that gets hottest at the right time. And Friedman said, our job is to figure out how to be that team that gets hot at the right time. And I think there probably are some things that they can figure out. Uh, And and more to the point, I think if there are things to figure out, I think Andrew Friedman is probably the most likely person to figure him out because I really do believe he is the smartest executive in baseball. I think Andrew Friedman is a literal genius uh, and he's surrounded by a lot of really smart people. And I, I think to the extent that there's something to figure out, they'll figure it out. I think there are things we saw this year and, and it's kind of funny. We talked about uh, like 
I've seen people talking about the lack of passion in, in this division series and, and you know, how the Padres were passionate and the Dodgers weren't, and that was a difference. And I don't know that it is because when, when the Dodgers are winning, that lack of passion is described as business like dominance. You know, they just go about their business. They just win. And it's only when they lose that people have an issue with it. And I have a hard time thinking that the same attitude that won them 111 games this year is the reason they lost in the postseason simply because it's still the same game. Your job is still to score more runs than the other team. The problem was they didn't hit with runners in scoring position. It wasn't because they didn't want to. I promise you every time somebody came up to bat with a runner in scoring position, they really wanted to get a hit. The fact is 20 times in a row, they didn't. Uh, and that was why they lost. And I don't think that has anything to do with passion or anything. Uh, it has to do, some to do with injuries, probably. Justin Turner had that shin thing late in the season that maybe he wasn't totally recovered from. Chris Taylor, in hindsight, wasn't ready to play. And, you know, that kind of brings up another question that somebody asked Friedman was if he regretted not making any bigger moves at the trade deadline. But really, at the trade deadline, most of the big moves people wanted to make, him to make were for pitching. You know, Luis Castillo, who ended up going to the Mariners. I would have loved to get Castillo. But the fact is, it wasn't the pitching, the starting pitching that cost the Dodgers in this series. Yeah, it would have been nice to have Castillo instead of Tony Gonsolin in, in game three. Um, but the Padres only scored two runs in that game. I don't know that it's a given that they would have scored fewer than two runs and they would have had to score zero runs in that game for the Dodgers to win because the Dodgers scored one runs. Um, and so I don't know that Luis Castillo would have made that big a difference. And you know, if we total benefit of hindsight here if we could go back and know okay chris taylor's gonna suck he's gonna be hurt whatever it is maybe you go after ian happ you know something like that a smaller move but somebody a specific player but that's such a hindsight thing and so friedman said i don't regret not making a, a bad trade he that's what he said at the trade deadline you know that he's been very good over the years at saving his prospects to use for the right trade when you can get Mookie Betts, when you can get Trey Turner and Max Scherzer, you know, that's when you make those trades. You don't just go out there and trade something big. And really the the biggest trade he he made impact wise at the deadline was Chris Martin. And that one turned out great. And that was almost a nothing trade. It was Zach McKinstry for Chris Martin. And that turned out to be really, really useful. The other trade was was Joey Gallo that ended up being kind of a nothing, uh, which is it was always going to be a lottery ticket. If we can figure something out, great. If not, okay. Um, they probably didn't think he'd end up on the postseason roster if they couldn't figure th anything out, but uh, there he was, but he didn't play, you know. Anyway, uh, Friedman also talked about Clayton Kershaw. He said he really, really hopes that Kershaw will be back with the Dodgers next year, but that it's ultimately up to Kershaw and his family. Uh, Clayton and Ellen will figure it out. There were some interesting comments from Oral Hershiser on Sportsnet LA talking about when Oral was a free agent and how even his agent didn't know what he was thinking because there were specific things. Oral, when he left the Dodgers, he knew he wanted to go to an American League team because he was already thinking about his post-playing career and he wanted American League experience uh, to help him better in his post-playing career. So he you know, let everybody bid to drive up the price, but he knew he was going to an American League team and he ended up going to the Indians. Uh, and then another time when he was a free agent, he went to the Mets because he and his wife wanted their kids to experience something new like life in New York. And so there's all sorts of things that could be going into Kershaw's decisions. And basically, Oral's main point was, we don't really know what they prioritize at this point in their lives, and we're not going to know until they make a decision. 
And then the last thing that I want to talk about that they were asked about was Cody Bellinger and whether they've thought about non-tendering him. And Brandon Gomes said they haven't even gotten that far. Basically, he said, we didn't expect to already be in the postseason right now. Uh, and so we haven't had those conversations yet. And, and really, they've got a month still, almost a month before the non-tender deadline. So they have plenty of time to think about that and, you know, talk about that. Uh, but there's no word on Billinger yet. Uh, Jerry Harrison did say that he thinks uh, he thinks Bellinger's gone. He thinks Bellinger needs a new voice, is what he said, and that it's probably going to come elsewhere. Uh, and, and, you know, it wouldn't surprise anybody, I don't think. I'm going to come back in just a minute. I'm going to talk about Rich Eisen. Uh, he's an NFL Network uh, talking head. He also has a, a sports talk radio show. And he had some uh, interesting comments about Clayton Kershaw. Not Clayton Kershaw, Dave Roberts. All these guys. I, I, I'm already in off-season mode, apparently. Rich Eisen had comments about Dave Roberts and basically saying that he is a puppet for management, and I have some thoughts on that. So thank you for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning, and please keep it Locked on Dodgers. So dress shirts are tricky. It's hard to find one that fits right while also being comfortable and matches your style. Plus, with all the hustle and bustle you got going on, you need a dress shirt that looks good enough to get the deal done at work, but is comfortable enough to play catch with your kid after dropping them off at practice. The dress shirt was due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man, and here's why. Mobility is everything. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work to your 18 holes of golf. Looking good is easy. It's time to feel confident with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt. It's that easy. And odor-free tech. With Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. The commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash locked on and use code locked on. Roan.com slash locked on with promo code locked on. All right, I am back. I want to thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. It really does mean a lot to you, to us. We love talking to you about the Dodgers. It might mean a lot to you too. I don't know. If it does, let me know in the comments on YouTube or uh, on social media. Shoot us a tweet or something. Uh, I want to talk about Rich Eisen. I don't want to talk about Rich Eisen. I kind of need to talk about Rich Eisen. Rich Eisen, he used to be a, a sports center anchor for like seven years. And then for the last 19 years, he's worked for NFL Network. For the last eight years, he's had a sports talk radio show um, called The Rich Eisen Show. Super clever name. I'm not sure who came up with it. but uh, And I don't have anything against Rich, Rich Eisen. Uh, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Uh, longtime listeners know that's what I say about somebody when I'm about to criticize him. Uh, but I actually mean it with Rich Eisen. I I've always had nothing but pleasant thoughts about Rich Eisen to the extent that I have any thoughts about him at all. I don't care about football, and so I don't think about Rich Eisen very often because, like I said, he's been with NFL Network for 19 years now. I hate sports talk radio. I know it's funny for a guy who does a, a baseball podcast. I do think sports talk radio is a little bit different. Um, and, and so I, I don't think about Rich Eisen very often. But on the Rich Eisen show uh, yesterday or the day before, um, Rich Eisen was talking about Dave Roberts and one of the other co-hosts or uh, 
lackeys or whatever it is on his show. I don't know if they're equals or not, but somebody's talking about how Dave Roberts needs to be fired. Uh, he said, if you guarantee winning a World Series, then you don't do it. You deserve to be fired. And Rich Eisen said he's not going to be, which I agree, and which Andrew Friedman agreed. But his reasoning kind of rubbed me the wrong way. He said he's not going to be fired because what he does is he does what management tells him to do. And he went off on a rant about Aaron Boone and how Aaron Boone only does what Brian Cashman tells him to do. And all these decisions are made in a, in a boardroom or a hotel room and aren't, it's not the manager making those decisions. So basically Rich Eisen's assertion and, and remember, this is a football guy who doesn't deal in baseball. And so take that with a grain of salt, his opinion, but his assertion is that Roberts has no say over any decisions made during a ball game. And it's kind of comes across as one of the, one of the reasons I don't like sports talk radio is it's like, it's just edgy enough that it feels edgy. But then if you peel back the layers and look at it, you realize, Oh, it's kind of the same thing. Every person trying to be edgy says, so really it's a, like how edgy can I be while making sure that all my listeners agree with me, kind of the Jim Rome model, you know, and it's just, I don't know. Like I have never on this podcast been edgy just to be edgy. Uh, I am not very edgy anyway. I'm a pretty, pretty, uh, Milk toast kind of guy. Uh, milk toast is a French word, even though it sounds like two English words. Um, anyway, I don't believe in being edgy for the sake of being edgy. On this show, what I try to do is I give you my honest opinions. And I think most of the time, a lot of you agree with them. Sometimes you don't. But it's it's not to be edgy. And I also, on the flip side of that, I, I hate when people do what I just did and say, I, I'm just here to give you my honest opinions, uh, which the unspoken thing is, I'm right and everybody else is wrong and I'm the only one gutsy enough to be honest about it. And, and that's not me either. I, I like talking about the Dodgers. I have opinions. I have strong opinions on some things, mild opinions on other things. Uh, but I'm, one thing I hope you always know is you're going to get honesty from me. And I feel like this was, it, maybe Rich Eisen is being honest and he really does believe that. If so, he's just woefully uninformed about everything. Like, of course, Dave Roberts works closely with the front office and of course, that's part of why the front office loves him. But what Rich Eisen is missing is that's actually a good thing. You know, like, in fact, the areas where Roberts has struggled, he probably could have used a little bit more real-time input from the nerds upstairs. Like, hey, maybe use a few of your eight rested relievers instead of Clayton Kershaw back in 2019. Somebody could have told him that. Or even this past weekend, you know, you don't have to pull every starting pitcher after five innings. I guarantee you their game plan wasn't Tyler Anderson is pitching five innings and then he's coming out or Tyler Anderson is getting twice through the order and then he's coming out. That wasn't the plan that, that you don't go into a game. I, I guarantee the Dodgers don't go, aren't going into a game with that rigid of a game plan. I'm sure they talked about, okay, one thing we'll want to be aware of is facing Machado and Soto for the third time. You know, let, let's keep, keep an eye on that. Uh, there, there's things they're going to, keep an eye on things they're going to keep in mind, but it is absolutely not a, such a strict game plan that Dave Roberts had to pull Tyler Anderson at that point. And so if it's not that strict, then of course, Dave Roberts is the one making the decisions in the dugout. And yes, they're informed by the data from the front office as they should be. Data is good data. Another word for data, a less scary word, information, historical information, what has actually happened in baseball, that's all data is. It's telling us, look, 
X percent of the time, if you do this, this is what happens in real baseball games that have actually been played by actual human beings. Data is not depersonalizing the game. It is finding a way to take all that personal data and condense it into a way that you can actually digest it and learn from it. That's all data is. And yeah, Roberts is getting plenty of that data. He's a company man for sure. But it's just disrespectful and condescending and not supported by any evidence to say that he doesn't do anything as manager. So when Rich Eisen says that Dave Roberts doesn't deserve to be fired, because I, I agree with him. He doesn't deserve to be fired. I hope he can learn. I hope there will be some data points. I hope that he has meetings with Andrew Friedman and, and Brandon Gomes and the other nerds upstairs. And they talk about, okay, let's see, where did things go wrong? Okay, what if we had let Anderson go another inning? And and I, I used to be a computer programmer. Like, I, I am big into data. Like, there there are things that are black and white. And that's kind of the the one of the foundations of computer programming is some things are true. You know, you, you calculate things and, and that's why it's always funny to me. Like somebody, you know, my, my wife's grandma will call me, my computer is doing, or my phone's doing this or whatever. And it's like, okay, I know how programming works. Your phone is not doing that unless you're doing this wrong thing. Your computer's not messing up in that way unless you're doing this wrong thing, because all they can do is what they're coded to do. And when it comes to data, like one of the things that's really fun about it is digging into, okay, why, why, what is this? How can we manipulate this to make it work in our favor? And so I guarantee those smart nerds are going to spend a lot of time thinking, okay, what if we had let Tyler Anderson pitch the sixth inning? You know, what's our worst case scenario? What's likely to happen? What, you know, and they're going to let that inform their decisions going forward. I hope. You know, they'll look at, okay, why did we lose this series? Why did we struggle to hit with runners in scoring position? There might be answers. There might not be. But the only way to get those answers is to search for them. And I think Rich Eisen is falling into the common trap of, it's like, I feel like because Dave Roberts used to be a baseball player, and now he is a he, he is the manager of a very statistically oriented team, it's almost like they're they're making excuses for Roberts. Said, well, obviously, if Dave Roberts was on his own, he'd be doing things differently. But the nerds tell him he has to do this. No, Dave Roberts is a smart dude, and Dave Roberts su- succeeds as manager of the Dodgers because he's a smart dude who can work well with the smart dudes upstairs, even though they didn't play Major League Baseball. And yeah, there are things that uh, he still has to be desired in the postseason, especially. Uh, but overall, he likes data. The front office likes data. Data is a good thing, and it's condescending uh, to treat him or Aaron Boone or any other manager like they're just puppets or figureheads or whatever you want to call them. Uh, so, again, no hard feelings to Rich Eisen. I'm sure he's a nice dude. I'm sure his, his wife and children love him. If he has a wife and children, I don't know. I don't have Wikipedia open. But whatever it is, I think he's off base on, on Dave Roberts, and I'm not surprised that a sports talk radio guy who focuses on football was a little bit off base in a baseball conversation. Uh, That's going to do it for that segment. I'm going to come back in a minute. I am going to talk about the umpiring in this series. Uh, I I won't be too angry. I don't think, Uh, but I've got some, some strong words to say about that. And again, it's not sour grapes because uh, I want good umpiring, even when it costs the Dodgers. So, I want to thank you again for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning, and please keep it Locked On Dodgers. 
If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Are you ready? It's not that new. I've told you about it many times. Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite, Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs. That was my nickname in high school. Uh, They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. So, go to Built.com. Get a box of these cookie dough chunk puffs. I promise you. I'm not just saying this because the script says to. In fact, I'm covering the script. You can't see the script anymore. Cookie dough chunk puffs are so good. I love them. It's my favorite snack. And not just my favorite healthy snack. I'd rather have these in a Butterfinger or a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup or a bowl of ice cream. Cookie dough chunk puffs are so good and they're good for you. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15 and you will get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, I am back for one last segment. I want to thank you one more time for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. And I want to talk about the umpiring in this NLDS. Bottom line, uh, the the BLUF, the bluff, my, my friend says that when he's public speaking, the bottom line up front, uh, the bluff is the umpires had way too big of an impact in this series. And again, it's not sour grapes. I want good umpires. When I watch baseball, I'm watching baseball because I want to see a contest between one baseball team and another baseball team. I want to see how well they play baseball against each other. And bad umpires or bad umpiring takes away from that athletic contest. It turns it into, oh, there's this third party who's involved. Who, he's a neutral party, but he's also having a big impact. It takes away from Team A against Team B, which is what I like about baseball. In Game 3, uh, whatever that umpire's name, Mark Carlson. His, if you look at ump scorecards uh, on, on Twitter, they give you a scorecard every day after every game. And uh, Mark Carlson, his his calls on balls and strikes resulted in a 0.82 run advantage for the Padres. That's in a game that finished 2-1. to one, And the umpire was responsible for almost an entire run in favor of the Padres. Now... Do the math. If the Dodgers lose 2-1 to one and the umpire is responsible for almost an entire run, doesn't that feel like the umpire had too much of a an impact on the game? And then in game four, John Tampain, who used to be my favorite umpire, 1.14 runs in favor of the Padres in a game that ended in a two-run Padres victory. And that one, even if you look at the specifics, I'm going to pop this graphic up on the screen here. Uh, the first pitch to Ha-Sung Kim in the seventh inning with with uh, Yancy Almonte, the first pitch he threw, uh, it was a strike. You can see it if you're watching on YouTube. You can see this graphic. It's not even really a borderline. Like the edge of the ball touches the edge of the strike zone, but almost the entire ball is in the strike zone. It was a terrible missed call. And it had a huge impact because two pitches later on a two and one pitch, Hassan Kim hits a chopper down the third baseline that just gets past Max Muncy. Well, what if the count had been one and two instead of two of two and one? Guess what? Max Muncy wouldn't have had to play for the bunt. It was first and second, nobody out at this point. Muncy is playing in because Kim had already squared to bunt earlier in the bat, early in the at bat. 
they had to play for the bunt in a two and one count because, you know, the, the, in that game situation, a sacrifice bunt was definitely a possibility in a one and two count. It wouldn't have been a possibility. They're not going to bunt in a one and two count. Max Muncy would have been about five or six feet further back than he was. And that chopper that ends up down the third baseline for an RBI double instead is a chopper right to Max Muncy. He steps on third and throws to first and it's an inning ending double play. And the Dodgers get out of that seventh inning up three to one. So even though the ump scorecard says that John Payne cost the Dodgers 1.14 runs right there, that one call actually directly led to four runs in that inning. Neither umpire was actually bad overall necessarily. Uh, Carlson was 96%, which is a little better than average. Uh, Tom Payne was 93%, which is a little worse than average. But the calls they missed were hugely impactful. And the funny thing is the first two games of the series actually went in the Dodgers' favor, although to a lesser extent. Uh, Game one, it was .24 runs in favor of the Dodgers. Game two, .58 runs in favor of the Dodgers. It's not a coincidence that all four teams, all four games favored the home team. Fangraphs wrote an article nine years ago showing that umpires often show favoritism, not on purpose, but show favoritism to the home team. And they even concluded by looking at data, remember that's our keyword for the day, data, that, and here's a quote, if the umpire is going to show favoritism to the home team, he will do it when it is most valuable, when the outcome of the game is affected the most. You think about it, just from a psychology standpoint, you're at Dodger Stadium, it's a loud crowd in favor of the Dodgers. Aren't you going to maybe make a call? That, oh, it's a borderline call. Ooh. Uh, and and not, it's not a conscious decision. You don't think, I don't want to get booed, so I'm going to make this call in favor of the Dodgers. But just naturally, your brain thinks, oh, you know, the crowd thinks that's a strike. I'm going to call that a strike. And, you know, it, it's all subconscious. I am not accusing the umpires of bias. But what, what drives me the most crazy about this is Major League Baseball isn't making any effort to put the best umpires in the postseason. If anything, it's the opposite because assignments seem to be based mostly on seniority, which means older umpires which means probably in worse physical condition, maybe worse, uh, less capable of getting into good position to make the balls and strike calls. Probably a little bit worse eyesight. Look at me, 45, wearing glasses while I do this podcast, because if not, the screen with my notes is a blur because I am getting old. I am fat. I would not be a good home plate umpire. And yet a lot of these home plate umpires are my age or older and uh, not as fat as me, but maybe worse eyesight. And it's, So if they're not going to get the umps who are the best, at least stop letting them do the part of the job they're bad at. And that's all I want. I just want robot umps. I want the strike zone to be called by a computer because a computer can tell you 100% for sure, was that pitch in the strike zone? If so, I'm going to call it a strike. If not, I'm going to call it a ball. That, I don't understand even how that's controversial. Like, I guess I understand the people who love catcher framing and think that's a really important part of the game. For me, catcher framing is just manipulating or taking advantage of umpires who are bad at their jobs. No. If a pitch is in the strike zone, I want it called a strike, even if it goes against the Dodgers. If it's out of the strike zone, I want it called a ball, even if it goes against the Dodgers. This has nothing to do with the Dodgers losing the series. And you guys, if you're a long-time listener, you know this, because I've talked about this before, including when it did uh, when bad umpiring helped the Dodgers. I still don't like it. I want to watch a contest between two baseball teams. 
and I want to see how well they play baseball against each other. Rules enforcement does not need a human element. I get my human element from the players. Rules enforcement, which is what umpires are there for, should be as close to perfect as possible. So a ball in the strike zone should be a strike. A ball out of the strike zone should be a ball unless the guy swung at it. It's not that hard. And I don't understand why it's taking this long. And maybe the fact that it was such a colossal failure on such a big stage will spur some action. But I'm not holding my breath because uh, robot umps are a good idea and Commissioner Fred Robman is allergic to good ideas. So hashtag Jeff for Commissioner. That's all I have for today, guys. I really enjoy talking Dodgers with you. I want to thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Sports Today. Locked On Sports Today. It's a daily podcast covering the biggest sports stories hosted by Peter Bukowski. Really good dude. He's a Brewers fan, which is apparently a thing. Other than that, though, really good dude. I've been on the show several times. Uh, Peter does a great job, and basically it just covers all the big stories in sports. So if you aren't just a baseball person, you love all sports, Locked On Sports Today is perfect for you because just like just like this podcast, it's short and quick. I'm looking at the list of episodes. They're like 23 to 25 minutes, even a little bit shorter than than this show. And you can get your entire sports roundup in 23 to 25 minutes. So make Locked On Sports Today your second listen today. If you're not watching or listening to Locked On Dodgers every weekday morning, we would love if you add one or two days a month of your rotation. Uh, if you have friends or family who love the Dodgers as much as you do, please tell them about the show. Uh, if they're in mourning, tell them about Monday's show. I think Vince and I hopefully did a pretty good job helping you feel a little bit better. Uh, we still have Padre fans watching that episode, so that's awesome. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Locked on Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Semperio. I'm on Twitter at Snydog, and the DMs are open in all of those places. Our email address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com, and our phone number is 323-863-LOCK-5625 for voicemails or text messages. Thank you for making Locked On Dodge your first listen every weekday morning. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow.